I don't see as I don't see as many kids riding around on bicycles today. You guys buy bicycles around your town? You have bicycles? I, I don't see kids on bicycles like they used to. When we were growing up here in Kansas, our our bicycles were everything. We mostly got around town on our bikes. We go to school on our bikes. We go to each other's houses on our bikes. We we even went to a few jobs. We go to a few jobs around town. You get a job mowing someone's lawn, you ride your bike there. And, and, and we used to play, Jeff, Jeff is back here, he could back me up, we used to play bike tag. Remember we'd play bike tag around town and we would just kind of chase each other around town and you try to tag those people, the other people on the other team. And, and bike tag was great because it taught us some valuable, it probably wasn't safe, I think about that now. Don't play bike tag around your town. But, but it taught us some valuable skills. One of the valuable skills that bike tag taught us was where all of the hidden alleys are in town. Uh, because you had to get from one end of town to the other and you didn't want your, the opposing team to catch you. So you had to learn where the alleys were and make your way across town. And that was really handy because you want to get across town really quick, take the alley. If you didn't want anyone to see you on the main roads, take the alley. That came in really handy a few years later, <laughs> you know, around Halloween, uh, when we kind of needed to get to the other side of town without anybody catching us. Uh, maybe not up to any good. That wasn't us, though, was it? That was other people. Um, but I thought about bike tag, and I thought about taking those little side alleys this week as I read this passage in Luke chapter 4. Because it's in this passage where Jesus goes to His hometown. He preaches to His home synagogue. Let's just say His home church. Jesus goes home and preaches to His home church. And things don't go well when He's preaching to His home church. In fact, things go so well that a mob from His church gather together and they lead him to the edge of town to throw him off a cliff. Now, I will fully admit that I have preached some bad sermons here. But I am very thankful that you've never taken me to the edge of town and tried to throw me off of a cliff here. That's, that's wonderful. You are very gracious for that. But you read at the end of this passage, Luke chapter 4, at the end, verse 30, it says, here they've tried to throw him off the cliff. Verse 30, but passing through their midst, he went away. Now Luke, Luke doesn't give us any explanation about that. There is nothing in this passage to indicate that that was a miracle, that somehow Jesus made himself invisible and intangible, and he just passed through their midst. Uh, nothing like that at all. And I'm left to wonder, growing up in Nazareth, spending time running around the town of Nazareth, did Jesus know where the alleys were? Did He know where the little back roads and the little hidden paths were, the little side roads? Did He know a shortcut away from the cliff? And did Jesus just <clears throat> slip away down one of those side roads and head out of town? You know, you, you stick around any place long enough and you start to find the little side roads. You, you get to know how to get around. Once you been in a town for a while, you find those little shortcuts and those little side roads. Stick around people long enough and you'll start to find the little side roads that take you to their hearts. Those little issues that, that mean a lot to them. You'll find those little side roads that get right to the heart. You'll also find a few side roads that have roadblocks. Okay? You stick around people long enough, you'll find a, little, a few issues that have roadblocks, and you start traveling down that road, and there's a big sign that says, don't go there, don't talk to me about that, I don't want to hear about that, you know how I feel, 
And that's what really got Jesus in trouble here. He knew their hearts and He knew those paths and He knew where those roadblocks were and He went anyway. We're looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 14-30. through 30. There in your blue Bibles, it's pages 859 and 860. And what, G- what we learn here is that if Jesus had just kept His mouth shut, everything went so well until He started talking. Everything was going great until He opened His mouth. In fact, if you look back in verses 14 and 15 that kind of introduced this to us, it says, "...and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about Him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and He taught in their synagogues being glorified by all." You hear that? Being glorified by all. That is not a phrase that we usually use of people. The Bible almost exclusively uses that phrase of being glorified about God. That's something we do of God. So what, is that, what are they saying about Jesus if they're glorifying Him? And then we read on, verses 16 and 17, and He came to Nazareth where He had been brought up. And as was His custom, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. Jesus goes to church. Jesus goes to church where they've known him his entire life. It's the local boy who's done good. It's the local boy who became a preacher. And so they invite him to speak. They hand him the copy that they have of the scroll of Isaiah, Jesus' favorite prophet, by the way. Jesus quotes from Isaiah more than any other prophet in the Old Testament. And in this passage, He describes His mission. He he describes who He is and exactly why He has come. We continue on in verse 18. Jesus reading from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon Me because He has anointed Me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent Me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on Him. And He began to say to them, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Starting here, we we go from verse 15, where He was being glorified by all, to verse 29, where all will gather together and lead Him to the edge of town and try to throw Him off a cliff. What, What changed in those verses? What caused them to turn their hearts against Him? What stirred them to anger over His words? And how do I make sure I don't get thrown off a cliff? That's a big concern for me. But my bigger concern is, how do we know we're not on the same path as the people who heard Jesus that day? How do we know we haven't set up the same roadblocks? I mean, if Jesus showed up here and preached this message to uh, to us, If Jesus showed up here and preached this message to us, would we try to run Him out of town? Would we have understood our need for this message? Jesus says this message is fulfilled in your hearing. 
we need to hear that. What, we need to hear that for us. We also need to hear that for them. What did they hear when he says this passage from Isaiah, which you've had for hundreds of years, this passage is about me, and this passage is about us. This is what we are doing today. Good news to the poor. That's the first thing that Isaiah declares there. Good news to the poor. Well, we're poor, right? We're poor. We get that. That's nice. We want good news. But does this mean you're also calling us blind, Jesus? I mean, I get that we're poor. I get that we're oppressed. But we're not blind and we're not captives. We, we can see. We're, we're free. Just tell us what good people we are. Just tell us that we are good people, Jesus. Tell us that God loves us and that He has a wonderful plan for our lives. And you start to notice the crowd turning here. Remember again, verse 15, being glorified by all. And then we get to verse 22. And all spoke well of Him. They're not glorifying Him, but they spoke well of Him. And they marveled at the gracious words that were coming from His mouth. And they said, is this not... Joseph's son. They've just heard some very impressive claims. This, this Scripture is about me. This Scripture is fulfilled here. And then suddenly their thought is, yeah, but this is Joseph's kid. Isn't this Joseph's boy? The carpenter? Remember the carpenter's kid? Remember his family? Isn't this him? Didn't he grow up here? Don't we remember him running around when he was a kid and doing things in youth group? And you know, Wasn't he here? <sighs> Why is He telling us that we're blind? Why is He telling us that we are enslaved? I like what He's saying. I just wish He would stop saying it about us. You hear that focus in those verses from Isaiah. By the way, it's Isaiah chapter 61. The same place where we got the Scripture that says from beauty from ashes that we used all through our rebuilding phrase. Beauty from ashes. Isaiah 61 who has Jesus come for here? He's come for the poor. Well, there certainly are a lot of those. He's come for the captives. There are a lot of things that hold people captive. Captive to sin. Captive to addictions. Captive to themselves. Sometimes we're captive to our own wants, our own expectations. He talks about the blind and the oppressed. And we need to hear, the, hear those very carefully. The blind and the oppressed, these are not just the poor, unfortunate people. These are not just poor unfortunates. These are the ones who are dependent upon others for help. These are people who on their own they can't see. On their own they can't survive. They can't know freedom. They are dependent upon others and they are dependent upon God. And it wasn't that he didn't like it wasn't that they didn't like what Jesus was preaching. They didn't like that he was preaching it to them. He's implying that they are blind. He's implying that they are blind to their own need for God and maybe even blind to the needs of of those around them. Jesus was telling them that they are part of the problem because they should have been doing for other people what He had come to do for them. And that's where we might put up a roadblock. That's where we might block His way on that path. If we don't want to hear Jesus' message for ourselves, we're not going to want to walk His path with other people. You see, how we treat others says a lot says a lot about how we've received Jesus. I mean, I, I think most of us are of the impression that we're already pretty good. 
We're of the impression that, that we're already pretty good. That I did most of the hard work for you, Jesus. You know, I've, I've already cleaned my act up. I've gotten myself together and, and I'm doing pretty good. I'm not that bad anyway. I did most of the heavy lifting and now Jesus, all you've got to do is save my soul and send me to heaven and that, that'll be fine. But until we comprehend how much we need grace, we're not usually very gracious to other people. And that's the path Jesus goes down. That's the roadblock that He breaks through. Verse 23, And He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to Me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. You hear that? Physician, heal yourself. In other words, take care of your own problems. Don't be telling us what we need. You take care of your own problems. Don't tell me what I need to do. And then He goes on in verse 23, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do that here in your hometown as well. They've already heard these stories that we've, that we've seen at the beginning of this passage. They've heard about the miracles that He's worked. It, just put on a good show for us. Just be a good boy, Jesus, and, and put on a good show for us. Don't go confronting us. Don't go telling us what we need, but Jesus keeps going through that roadblock. And He goes on in verse 24, <clears throat> and he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. <laughs> no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But, the, but in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, to the land, in the land of to a woman who is a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. None of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. He tells stories about Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha, those were their heroes. Those were the big heroes from the Old Testament. Everybody loved stories about Elijah and Elisha. These were prophets. These were men of God. Men who stood against evil. Everyone prayed for the day that Elijah would return because Elijah would come and preach good news. Elijah would come someday and, and tell them about the Messiah. And then after Elijah, the Messiah would come. Everyone was, was waiting for Elijah. But the stories that he tells here, they're not stories about Israel. They're not their stories. They're stories about other people. They're stories about outsiders. He tells the story about Elijah, how Elijah fed the widow of Zarephath and her, and, her, and her son while Israel was starving and dying in three and a half years of famine and drought, Elijah went to Zarephath and provided for this widow and cared for her. And then he tells the story of Elisha. Elisha healing uh, Naaman of leprosy. Naaman, not just a foreigner. Naaman, our, our enemy. Naaman, a military leader from, a, from an outside force. Naaman, the Syrian. Someone we would just as soon see wiped out, but Elisha healed him and saved him. And now they're starting to get where Jesus is going. They're starting to understand what He's saying because those people are not our people. Those people aren't us. They're not our crowd. They're not the people from around here. They're not people we're comfortable with. They are foreigners. They are unclean. They are sick. They are dirty. Why would you waste your time with people like that, Jesus? What can they do for you? 
But these are the poor. These are the captives. These are the blind. These are the oppressed. These are the ones that Jesus was sent to set free. And as we encounter Jesus, we encounter our own poverty. We encounter our own poverty in in our lack of grace, in our lack of compassion, the, the poverty of our love. We encounter the way that we are captive to the world. We'll encounter the way that we are captive to ourselves. We'll encounter the way we're blind to God's mercy and ways that we may have even oppressed others by not helping them. And we'll realize that Jesus is sending us to others with the same message that He went to His own people with. A message of freedom, a message of release, of healing and wholeness. And what we see as we let Jesus travel those paths into our lives is that if we follow Jesus' path, we will encounter Jesus' people. Now, church does not end well on that day. All right? Don't get any ideas. But church does not end well that day. Verses 28-30, through 30, when they had heard all these things in the synagogue, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, And they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Hear that last verse again. Passing through their midst, he went away. Hear that not only as they didn't touch him, but also hear this, he didn't touch them. He didn't touch them either. We have to get that. Because as we make our way through the Gospel of Luke, we're going to see Jesus encounter a lot of people. He's going to encounter a lot of people through the Gospel of Luke, and He's going to touch them. And when He touches them, He's going to heal them. In fact, if you go down just ten more verses to verse 40, it says, "...now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to Him." And He laid hands on every one of them and healed them. That's what He's going to do, but not here. He passed through their midst. There was no touch and there was no healing. But as we make our way through Luke, we'll we'll see Jesus encounter people on His way to Jerusalem. And along the way to Jerusalem, He will encounter people and He's going to engage people. And He's going to sit with them. And He's going to share meals with those people. All through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus over and over again goes to a table. Luke uses the word table more than any other Gospel. Really, more than any other book in the New Testament. Luke is constantly talking about the table. And the table is tied to how Jesus cares for other people. Jesus eats with people that no one else would eat with. We need to notice that as we make our way through Luke because the table is not just where you ate the table is where you do life with people the table is where you welcome people the table is a place where you tell other people you belong here you belong at the table with me it's where you encounter people and then you engage them at the table if we went back to Luke chapter 1 where the angel Gabriel announces to Mary that she's going to have a son Mary responds with a song. We call it the Magnificat. Uh, It's there in in Luke chapter 1. Mary responds to the announcement that she's having a son with this song. And in verse 53 of that song, Mary sings, He, that is God, has filled the hungry with good things, 
but the rich He has sent away empty. Again and again, Jesus is at table with people, feeding people, filling them with good things, engaging those with needs. I want to tell you a story, and, and I hate telling this story, but the story was shared with me of a church not far from here. I won't tell you which church, and I don't even know that you've heard of this church, but it, it's not terribly far away. Some time ago, this, this church decided they wanted to have an evening, a Wednesday evening meal. They, they thought what they wanted was to have an outreach in the community. They thought they wanted to welcome the children in the community to come in on Wednesday nights and share a meal. That's what they thought they wanted. That's, that's not really what they wanted. Because as Wednesday nights would come and they would send their buses and their people out to bring children in to feed them, what they found when they brought those kids in was that those kids were, were dirty. And they were ill-mannered. They were loud. They were hungry. They were very hungry. And they were very poor. Sometimes those kids broke things. And after a while, people complained. And so they stopped inviting the kids. They stopped encountering them. They stopped bringing them in. And the dinner became just a fellowship dinner. A Wednesday night dinner for the church. A friend of mine told me about this. This was a church they had attended. Story went on. There, there was a little boy named Jason that went to that church that came on Wednesday nights. A little boy named Jason kept coming. <laughs> Jason lived close enough to the church that he didn't need a ride. And he knew there was food. And so Jason kept coming to the church every Wednesday night. He would just walk to the church. But the people in that church made Jason sit by himself. And they wouldn't talk to him. They, they told everybody, don't, don't talk to him. And they'd bring him a plate and they'd feed him, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't engage Jason. And after a while, Jason got the message. And he just quit coming. Now I can tell you, that's a growing church. That church is doing great. That's a growing church. It's a big church. But at the end of the day, I have to ask, is that, is that the path that Jesus is taking us on? Are they walking the path that Jesus is taking us on? Are they encountering the same people that Jesus would encounter? And are they engaging the people that Jesus would engage? You see, if we follow Jesus' path, we will encounter Jesus' people. We will engage them. We will eat with them. We don't get to choose. We don't get to choose who we fill this church up with. Okay? We don't get to choose who we fill this church up with. We're just going to fill it up with people like us. People who think like us. People who look like us. People who behave like us. People who know the same rules that we know. And as we walk through the Gospel of Luke with Jesus, we're going to encounter a lot of people people that Jesus encountered, people that Jesus engaged, and I think we're going to recognize some of them. And I think we might even stop and say, I've seen people like that. And I kept my head down or I walked on the other side of the road. I did not engage those people. And we'll have to decide, are we going to encounter 
Are we willing to engage? Are we going to do beyond just inviting people to church? Are we going to invite them into life? Are we going to invite them to the table to do life together? Or are we just going to pass through without touching? Never being touched. And sooner or later will we realize that Jesus has just passed through our lives also. Encounter and engage. Remember those words. They're going to be in front of you through the Gospel of Luke. Encounter and engage. Remember those words as you encounter people. As you encounter people on your walk. Don't slip down the side alley. Encounter and engage. Don't put up a roadblock. Jesus took you and me when we were weak, when we were blind, when we were oppressed, when we were lost. He took you and me and He sat down and He ate with us. And He offered Himself to us. So Let's go to those who need to know that kind of Savior, who need to know that kind of church, who need those kind of friends. Let's stand and pray. Father, when... Uh, when those who knew Jesus best heard Him preach, uh, they, they did not react well. And I pray that we know Jesus well. I pray that we know His heart and that we know His path. I pray that as we encounter the people that Jesus would encounter, that we would engage them as Jesus would. That we would invite them to the table and into our hearts. That the way we befriend them and welcome them would ultimately point them to the grace that we've known through Your Son. And so Father, guide our encounters. Guide us to engage those who desperately need the touch of Your Son, Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. And go in peace.